When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Up Trey podcast, wherein my dear friend Trey, he pulls up. Uh, we've been doing a lot of episodes of this where we talk about the draft, like a lot, a lot, doing these, you know, for us, deep dive scouts into players. And now we have some, I don't know, it's not breaking news anymore, but very interesting news in that the Raptors have hired a new coach, Coach Darko. He has done the introductory press conference, which was outside, filled with pageantry. Uh, there's no... Updates really on the assistant coaches. I talked to Masai yesterday. He seemed to have, you know, a real distaste for us asking about what prospects they're bringing in and said he's keeping it all secret. So whatever, play it, play it close to the chest. That's fine. That's fine. But we're joined by two other people today. It's myself, Trey Curley, who is, in my opinion, the patron saint of basketball around here because he organizes a lot of our uh, hoop runs. And uh, he also is the podcast host of Live by the Three podcast, which is fantastic. It's one of the only sports podcasts that I listen to because I'm a snob. And then we also have Mac, of course, the man they call Mac, as it were, uh, host of the Running Off the Screen podcast. And um, also, you know, both these guys I listen to because, well, these are my pals. Mac Curly, uh, we'll start with you, Mac. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh the draft is what, like a week away now? So I'm um, almost like a little over a week away. So I'm excited to see who we're going to select. Hell yeah. Well, you're going to tell us later and that's fine. Curly, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well, brother. Um, you know, just relieved that we have a coach, you know, and now we can focus on the draft. So I'm in good spirits now. I'm in good spirits. Hell yeah. And Trey. No, I, you know, I see you all the time. I don't really care how you're doing. Just tell us about your reaction to the coach. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, not probably not doing as well as you with the, the answer of the presser. I was Bone happy about presser. that, but um, I, I'm doing good. I'm, I, I wasn't that concerned about the coaching situation, just being as like most of the issues seemed more like roster construction wise, but like happy they have some sort of direction though. Have you looked into anything regarding Darko and what your thoughts are on his? Because basically everybody and their mom watched the same five things get aggregated. <laughs> you know, what did you think of the five things that got aggregated? Yeah. I I will say, not to be a snob, I've gone beyond the five things. I've watched a lot of 2020 Suns. <laughs> 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 I've seen a lot of a lot of Ricky Rubio and how they operated. So I think like we have players that operate in that like 0.5 like decision making. We have guys like Pascal, guys like OG who can who will be able to if given spacing, which is like big F here, they'll be able to make quick decisions, find the open man, get to the rim in a way that they just haven't been enabled for years with with Nurse. So 
And Darko seems like a nice guy. So um, I'm pretty happy with everything. Okay. Uh, Curly, Mac, I'll let either one of you take it first. Have you gone beyond the five? That's the new tagline. <laughs> go ahead, Mac. Oh, Cur- Curly. Oh, I was going to say, Curly, you can go ahead. <laughs> we're, we're all gentlemen here. Go ahead, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as far as Darko goes, like he seems like the anti-nurse to me, where the the personable side is there. Now, nurse wasn't like he was a he was somewhat personable, but he, it looks like Darko can connect with the players and the media, as we've seen with you and uh, Darko Samson. And uh, I think the other thing about Darko is the development factor, right? The his ability to push the younger guys, get something out of them. Because at the end of the day, if we're trying to run this back and we're trying to build up a bench, we're not going to have a lot of cap room to bring in players. So we need to do as much as possible to develop those guys. And I think Darko is the best guy for that. Yeah, I think one of the big things is that, you know, you you have to be personable. Like Nick, especially when he first came in, you know, he's got a little bit of the Cockney accent. He's like a charmer. And that was kind of what a lot of what he was doing. Um, Darko is a different type of charm in that like he has kind of like that, hey, I'm just so happy to be here kind of charm, which is a little bit different. There's less suave to it. Um, but uh, in regards to the development and stuff like that, it's about instilling, you know, confidence in a player and a belief in them that the framework you're building as a coach will be conducive to their success. And that's basically as Trey kind of noted earlier, spacing has to be there and you have to have roots to success for these guys that seem organic and that seem attainable. And that's where, you know, in the coming weeks, we'll see if the roster construction meets some of the ideals that Darko has. Curly, have you gone beyond the five? Yeah, yes, I I have. Um, For me, what I love is the mentality that he had. He said, it's not about winning a game. It's about winning every day. So it, it goes beyond the basketball court. And I think that's something that has been missed over the last couple of years, the the mentality, the accountability. It, it seems like he is going to put a stronger emphasis on that and potentially hold these guys to a certain standard. And, and I think Masai and Bobby have done a great job drafting high character guys. So I think that kind of ideology with the guys that we have on this team, I think it's going to mesh well together. It's kind of like the mentality that I had uh, as a coach when I was coaching little kids. And he alluded to this idea, like he, he gets joy and and seeing kids get better. So it seems like that mentality is going to translate to the NBA because coaching is like teaching, you know, and you think like in the NBA that that's where it stops. To an extent, I believe that's true, but these are players that, you know, they're getting paid millions of dollars, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. They might overlook something. And somebody like Darko might say, hey, you know what? Maybe you need to focus on this. And a light bulb will go off and they'll be like, you know what? Maybe I didn't think about that. And then that positive translation would uh, trickle over. So it seems like, vibes are kind of fixed here and it definitely seems like brighter days are are ahead and the dark days are behind us one would hope one would hope 
let's let's cross our fingers for that. There there was a lot of lip service paid to that Absolutely. by Masai, by Bobby, by Dan Tolzman even, and, and by Darko himself, who seemed elated and overjoyed to be part of the Raptors. Um, I I suspect that most of that elation is around being a head coach at the NBA level for the first time. Of course, he's going to say, this is the greatest organization of all time. They're so fantastic. <laughs> but he did beat the odds in some regards as the only the second European-born head coach in the NBA. Does anybody have any thoughts on that aspect of it? Because while I know we're not giving it a bunch of thought, but it is unique. Why do you got? How do you guys think those millionaire players who are mostly from North America or played their basketball 16 years and onward in North America and are used to North American head coaches and are used to this type of process? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Would it would this have shocked you more in 2014? Do you think the league has changed? Trey, you look like you have something to say. Sure, let's start there. <laughs> I, I think um, if it were, I think in general, yes, would be. it's obviously more difficult for somebody who hasn't had similar shared experiences to, to coach a team. That's why most people that become a coach either played in the league or grew up in an organization for 10, 20 plus years, just because you have that shared experience. But with Darko, it seems that with um, several players on the Grizzlies and the Suns that they've already have gone out of their way to stamp him as this great guy who brings lots of energy and him personally, he seems like he's, he's more human focused based on his like approach at basketball. I know um, in one of the five things that, that most people watch, he mentioned the reason why he makes more of a flea, a free flowing offense, quick decisions is because that's what players prefer. So it shows that he's really versatile and he sort of caters his system or his program towards what's going to be more comfortable for the players, which would would seem as though that he everything he's he's doing is going to be preferable to what they want and that will obviously help them connect a lot better. I do wonder if into the future now where players well coaches are seen more as like helpful to players rather than the coach, the domineering tactician who sets the play style and players are the chess pieces. That used to be what people thought of coaches. Like the coach is the big brain. There's a lot of racism rooted in this, by the way. But like the coach is the big brain genius. The players are the the drones who act as he pleases and all that kind of stuff. But as player agency has been more respected and player empowerment has grown, you know, gone, gotten a lot larger around here. I think that coaches have to be more so in service of players. And I think that creates an easier lane for somebody who doesn't necessarily have the same background as a, you know, played in the league for 14 years as a, you know, a, a point guard for the Atlanta Hawks. And then you start talking like this and then you coach for a bunch of years and you have a bunch of playoff blow ups and all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you can come and provide another path if you have the, I guess, the requisite resume and the, I guess, testimonials from like Desmond Bain, Ricky Rubio, Devin Booker, et cetera. Mac, Curly, we'll start with Curly this time since he was such a gentleman to let Max start the other time. Uh, any thoughts on that dynamic of it? I, I think it is interesting that the Raptors, you know, big surprise, went outside the box because this wasn't his first – there wasn't – he was not their first choice, you know. So he basically had to sell, sell himself again as to why he should be a head coach. And I think that's a testament to him to not – 
back down and to be motivated to, you know, essentially reintroduce himself, a la Jay-Z, to this front office. And <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but but clearly that was that was a selling point for uh, for them. Right. So I, I think that approach, the mentality, I, I come back to what I originally said, the mentality, it seems like he's a strong minded person and we can pick a game out of the 82 last season where the Raptors just looked mentally defeated and it could be his experience coaching in Europe where I I think he said that, you know, he went to coaching school in Serbia and then when he went to the Spanish league, he had to go to coaching school again. I imagine somebody in our position. I mean, I went to school twice. If somebody told me I had to go the third time, I'd be like, See ya. I'm not going back, right? <laughs> but uh, it it shows that he is motivated to do what it takes, and I think that's something that is appreciated, uh, especially coming from the European background, the international influence that we have here with the players that you know coming from Cameroon, for example, and Pascal, where everything had to be earned, nothing was given. So I think that. That's why Darko and the Raptors have found themselves because the ideologies, the experiences kind of flow well together. So that's the way I look at it. This was something that Lewis mentioned uh, on the podcast we did that was interesting is like the Raptors keep finding themselves bringing in players who have a, you know, a unique path to the league and coaches who have a unique path to that spot as well. And Darko as a guy who started coaching so early in Serbia and learned English early in Serbia because he was like, it's important that I learn this skill to grow further past that. And then had an opportunity in Spain and said, well, I guess I'll learn Spanish too. You know, and just to, it's not even that you have to go and connect with different types of players. It's that you have to grow yourself to even be able to be put in that opportunity. Masai Ujiri had a hell of a time giggling and laughing, telling us about like, oh, yeah, Darko, the first time we brought him in was right after they lost in the playoffs. And then the second time we brought him in, he was on vacation like his third day. So he had to not be there for that. And then the third time it was his anniversary. He had to interview with us. And he was like, so this guy, he was just the worst times to ever, you know, interview with us. But he did great. (laughs) And, you know, he was giggling, laughing the whole time. I'm sure Darko was like, I'm glad that's over. Um, but you know, this is a guy who's clearly dedicated himself to the process and dedicated himself to, um, being as great a coach as he can be. I'm just, uh, based on vibes, everything I've heard, not just what's been reported, but people I've talked to around the league, haven't heard a bad thing. Typically you can hear a bad thing about a coach and, uh, players, coaches, basketball operations, everyone, they seem to be into it. Mac, any thoughts on his long winding path? I mean, you, you said the word dedicated, and that's what I see from him. And for the fact that he's been a coach since he was like 16, and he's still going through it, he's still finding ways to grow and develop, that shows you that he's a lifer, that he's not going to quit on his team. He's not going to um, steer away from the path that, that this team wants him to go. And and you also look at like his, his background as an assistant coach. The coaches that he coached under are all pretty much considered – player coaches, guys that people love to be around, um, guys that really care about the community and the, and, the, and the staff in the entirety with Scott Brooks. Billy Donovan does a great job over at Chicago now, even though the roster is in shambles, I guess. But And then you look at Monty Williams. That's a great guy. They're good friends. 
um, Taylor Jenkins. So he's been around great guys. He seems like a great guy, and he seems like a basketball. Not even seems he is a basketball lifer. So it's just a good fit for this roster. Well put. Okay, we were originally going to discuss draft prospects. Then the Raptors hired a coach. You two, everybody here watches way more college tape than I do. You guys actually watch it during the year. Crazy people that you are. Um, Trey and I have covered a lot of prospects to this point. Something that I'm interested about is that I know you guys, probably not every little bit of the podcast, but I know you guys tune in on occasion. At the very least, you know some of the players that we've discussed. Of the people we've discussed, bring it all back. We want to retread this. What do you guys think about some of the players we talked about? Who are your favorite? Whether it's Sensibo, Hawkins, Koulibaly, whoever. I want to hear who you guys like on the board that we've already covered. Mac, we'll start with you. I think I want to hear um, more of your takes on Kaysen Wallace. And not not the defensive side of it. I want to hear where you guys think his ceiling is as an offensive player. I think there's a lot of untapped stuff there. Like he plays on under control on both ends of the floor. He he's a good pull up shooter, but not the great um, shot creator. So I want to know where you guys feel he can develop into what uh, once he gets to a program like the Raptors. Let's say. Wait, wait, wait. I, I kind of want to flip this back to you. Actually, we we've gone long. The listeners have heard us belabor it. You're the talent. We brought you on here. If you like Kaysen Wallace a lot, I want to hear your pitch. What 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 makes you like Kaysen so much? Well, I like the fact that he 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 cleans up a lot of the leaks on your team, especially defensively, right? On or off ball. He's someone that you put him out there, he's gonna make something happen. If his shot's not falling, he's going to find ways to get your team in the game, make winning plays. Uh, he's an excellent shot blocker for a guy that his height, I think he measured in like 6'3", six, 6'2", six, at the combine. And that surprised me for the amount of times I've seen him pin people off the glass and and, and chase down uh, blocks off of transition threes. So, again, that's, that's the defensive side. I, I think there's a lot that he can do offensively that he hasn't been able to show yet. And being in an offense like Toronto is where the ball is probably going to be moving a lot more. Um, he's going to be able to be... Uh, open more often than not that, than he was in, in Kentucky. I think he can give you like a, at least a 15 to 17 points a game and, and be really efficient at it while providing that all NBA level defense. Eventually, obviously, he's not going to come in being an all de- a defense guy, but I think he can develop into that. And I like his mindset and his poise. So, yeah, that's what I think of him on the surface. Um, but I want to hear everybody else's takes on Casey. Uh, uh, Curly. The people on this, uh, sorry, Trey, but I'm going to move this on to Curly to start. <laughs> Curly, the people here haven't heard your thoughts on Kaysen. I want to start there. Well, I mean, if Mac selects him as a potential pick, it, it must be good, right? Being right two years in a row. <laughs> no, you, you know, I I, I think Kaysen Wallace would be a solid pick. Um, I, I don't think it's a safe pick. One of our biggest flaws was point of attack defense, and Kaysen Wallace would clean that up a little bit. Do I think he's going to be, um, you know, a, a lockdown defender uh, upon entry? No, I don't think so. I think uh, that will be a work in progress, but I definitely think the tools are there, the physical tools, the the mentality. Like you can tell that he's a player that takes that side of the ball serious, and and that's rare, I think, in young players nowadays where. It's an offensive-minded league, 
right? You want to be able to score a bucket, get a bucket. But it, it's nice and refreshing to see that he takes defense serious. And he's not that bad of a player offensively. I think there is a lot of untapped potential. I think he's a great athlete. I think he has the ability to get into the paint. He definitely looks a lot stronger than his build. It looks like he could take some bumps getting into the lane. So I think that is also intriguing. And, you know, just from the highlight tapes uh, at the draft combine, he's been knocking down the corner three. So that is also very appealing as well. And more importantly, we just need a backup point guard. We, we currently have a point guard that is one foot out the door, potentially two feet to follow. So <laughs> it'd be nice to get a point guard here. <laughs> so before I go over to Trey, a few statistics. So 64% at the rim for Kaysen. That isn't elite, 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 but that's pretty damn good at the college level. It's very congested in there. 34.6% from three. He was 9 of 27 on pull-up threes. 33%, that's decent. That That's good. Like, I know it's the college line, but that's certainly good. He shot 41% on his pull-up jumpers. He is, I scouts I've talked to, the ones for public consumption on this podcast and elsewhere, I haven't met a guy who says, I don't believe in the jumper going forward. People believe in the jump shot. He's also, then, you know, Caitlin Cooper, who I know people on this podcast revere her as like the best person to listen to to talk about basketball for like the real and that's a correct observation on their end she always talks about the war for the nail Kaysen Wallace is a brilliant nail defender he is not only going to be you know once he's in the league for a few years gets used to the pace of the NBA pretty damn sticky at the point of attack but I think with wingspan and with his alert and uh, awareness his alert style of play and aware style play uh, defensively is going to be really, really disruptive in the middle of the floor without giving too much because the Raptors fans have seen over the past couple of years, players who have been disruptive, but that trade-off has also led to a lot of breakdowns. And Kaysen, I think is a guy who can keep his feet in both camps of not giving too much up, but also still being a, a really good defensive playmaker. Also 16 of 46 on his runners for 35% over the course of the season. He has touch. He can hit pull-ups. He, the catch-and-shoot stuff, people believe in it. The numbers are pretty good. Trey, Kaysen, all that good stuff. Trayson. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I think, like, in the most optimistic sense, like, um, if he's a star on the team, he's probably going to be used similarly to, like, a Fred Van Vliet, where his, his best usage offensively will be off the ball, and he's knocking down shots. I think where he will excel in, in ways that Fred hasn't is that he has the athleticism and size to then take a, a defense that's been bent already and then get to the rim and actually score, whereas Fred has never really been able to. And then also defensively in the, in the same way where he can create havoc in the, in the nail, create turnovers, and actually finish in transition, which is super valuable. You saw in the playoffs, like transition buckets are just – so key because it's really hard to score when people are closing off the rim and and cutting off the the easiest type of threes. So I I would say he's someone that you would slot on your team, whether it's the Raptors or somebody else that says that we have like one of our five starters for our team that eventually contends. He's also, I think, a guard who can guard up a little bit, maybe. Mac. Yeah. 
Sorry, uh, sorry, Curly. You mentioned that he's not a safe safe pick. Was Kaysen? No, when I, I when I say a safe, no, like if if you're the Raptors, right? We we have this this approach where we we take a safe pick. We don't think outside of the box. I don't think he falls into that category. I think he he's a solid lottery pick. I don't. Even, I would be amazed to see him at 13. So that's what I was uh, alluding to. Like, yeah, he, he's not a good bet to be there. Like, it's not a safe bet oh, to be there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean. Okay, okay. I Curly and we, I... I thought you meant like... Yeah. Curly <laughs> and I operate on the same wavelength. You guys will catch yeah. up someday. It's fine. Wait, wait. Um, do, you, do you guys believe in, like, the Kentucky guard boost? Because there really hasn't been a bad guard from Kentucky. That's a real thing. That's a real it's a, thing. I, I, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. <laughs> Who who else are we working with? I know you guys watch a lot of so we've talked about Kaysen. Who else who else do you guys find interesting that you like? Hmm. Grady Dick. Get Grady <laughs> Dick to the Raptors, please. That's that's the guy, man. You want to talk about vibes? This guy is walking vibes, man. Like I, I'm considering getting TikTok just to follow this kid. <laughs> Every time I, I, I see his TikToks, I, I'm like dying of laughter but no in all seriousness like he's a bucket you know and he doesn't look like a bucket but he's a he's a walking bucket you know uh i think what was it he was 44 percent from the field i think and maybe 40 percent from three that is absolutely essential for this raptor team in this 0.5 second offense catch and shoot floor spacing grady dick can offer all of that i know you know the the one thing that everyone keeps focusing on is his defense. I think this team defensively is going to be great. One player is not going to break it all down. And he has the length. He has the athleticism. He has the size. So he's a very raptors pick anyways. He's just a little bit more offensively gifted, which is something that, please, can we get some offense on this team? And I think Grady Dick can not only fix the vibes, but will give us a lot of what we need. And aside from the shooting, sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, go nuts, go nuts. No, I'm just saying, aside from the shooting and the offensive stuff, like on ball, I think he's great off ball with his cutting and he knows how to find angles to create openings for his uh, defense or his offense to get through the defense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going back through uh, Josh Codanero when we talked about Grady. He sent me a big scouting report and you know, professional scouting report. So I'm just peeking at some really good stuff. But the the good notes are comfortable movement shooting with varied gathers. He can go right to left, left to right. He can hop catch off of two. He has a nice right foot step back. He has a one step spot up. Like a lot of these diverse setups for shots that help him as far as screen craft. And that's that efficiency on those shots is what makes you weaponize a lot of the actions that the Raptors currently don't weaponize is that comfortability to shoot from there. So, and he's also not so bad out of the triple threat. Um, 52% of his shot attempts were from three, six attempts per game, massive, massive volume. Basically only Jordan Hawkins is beating that. And he still shot 40%. He, 25% of his shots were at the rim. He shot 63% there for a guy who is not as quick with the foot speed, doesn't have as much vertical pop as people might like. He has a bit of craft there, and a lot of that efficiency is from really well-timed cuts, too. And at the NBA level, where, you know, there's more space, more room to play, as it were, especially for shooters, I think 
I think that's really important. Trey, we haven't really talked about Grady Dick. I'm, I'm curious where you stand on. You were you were like way ahead of the curve. Our dear friend who shall not be named started out hating him because he's, you know, another like milk, milk toast white boy was kind of the thoughts. But then he eventually he came around on him towards the end. Uh, give us the the Grady Dick sell that you were giving back in November. Yeah. Um like look at look at the Miami Heat like from like the, the shortest the shortest way to explain this um shooting is at a premium every team that's won over the last few years has been a top 10 team in three point percentage um the big thing with Grady compared to like say other spot up shooters is that when he gets the ball he actually can he actually can drive pass and he's actually a sufficient rebounder and i think from the defensive side, he can like like a Struess, like a Vincent, um, even Duncan Robinson a little bit. Uh, he can play within the confines of a of a team, and he won't hurt you defensively. He's he won't he won't gamble for he'll he'll make his rotations. He won't gamble and and put yourself in really bad bad places. He's going to be able to defend his position and actually make a rotation and offer offer some resistance just because of how long he is. He's he's a player that you probably aren't going to ask him to guard other wings at the point of attack. You're probably going to put him on a, a slower player as he he ages and get, gains more frame. But he's going to this is this is another term. He's one of those players when he gets the ball when he's open, you put your head down because it's it's going in. Like Michael <laughs> Porter Jr. They didn't show in the series. Steph Curry, those type of players where you feel like this angst when he gets the ball. And the Raptors have none of those. So that would be amazing if we had that. If you guys aren't aware, Trey has been crafting some new terms for the lexicon. He, he's been he's been using the term an in theory player, which I yeah, love. I seen that one. Uh, a yeah. put your head down player. This guy is carving his own lane. You know, he's uh, bending language to his whims. As far as Grady, anybody else have it? I mean, Mac, Grady, you know, do you want I mean, a soliloquy for yourself? I mean, you guys covered covered almost everything with Grady. I, I have a pick who I think the Raptors are going to select if he's available. Let's just go there. Everyone, just so everybody's aware, Mac <laughs> predicted the Scotty Barnes pick. And that one is a little easier to predict. Blake, when he was still writing with The Athletic, he picked Scotty Barnes in The Athletic's mock draft. And then everybody called him an idiot. Um, for about a month <laughs> for doing that, which was kind of funny. Um, Mac picked Scotty Barnes, and then this is the one that gets me. Mac said the Raptors would draft Coloco. How do you predict the 33rd <laughs> overall pick, my guy? That's a little bit, I don't know. I don't trust you. You're up to something. But but uh, you seem to be the only one who ever knows who the Raptors are going to pick, so let us know, please. He's the, he's the draft mole. Yep. <laughs> I mean, if he's available, and let's say Casey Wallace and Grady Dick are not, I think the Raptors are going to select Keontae George, freshman guard from Baylor. Now, for me, he checks a lot of the boxes from what you look for in a three-level scoring guard. Uh, the tools he possesses off the dribble is hard to teach, and I think it can tr- translate to the NBA game in like live game scenarios. You know, people do the, their workout drills, and you're like, that's not going to work in a game, right? The, everything's moving around. And I've been following... Um, Keontae since like 2020, 2021, 
when he was in the FIBA three on three tourney. And relax, I, oddly dude. Enough, why do you and, know and, so much? And oddly, <laughs> and oddly enough, he was teammates with Grady Dick in that little tourney. And every 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 um national team um I guess games or competitions he's in, he always ends up being like the alpha. Now, if you look at last year at Global Jam in Toronto. If you can remember, he dropped 32 points on one squad, and then he went on to drop 37 points on Canada. And, and I and I said I said this before. I forgot what show it was on. But if you're looking at like how our salary distrib- distribution is shaping up, like oh yeah, it was earlier in this one. Like you need guys in the rookie scale who can give you production. And I think Keontae will exceed that salary to uh, production set, uh, ratio that you're looking for. And he can develop into a star. Like he he says that him himself said that he compares himself to Bradley Beal. I've seen people compare him to Jamal Murray. I've seen people compare him to a bunch of scoring guard, Donovan Mitchell coming out of Louisville. They have similar splits in college. So I don't know everything that he does. And and all on top of that, he's looking, he looked like he trimmed down all the fat that people were complaining about. He's ripped right now. So I think his mindset is there, his game is there. And he has a lot of pro-level moves, so I think at 13, it's going to be Keontae George. That's quite a sell. You uh, you gave the upside. I'll say I haven't talked about Keontae with Trey, but I talked about him with Ben Pfeiffer, and Ben also really liked Keontae. He wasn't as hard a sell for the three-level stuff as you are. I think he had a little bit less belief in the handle uh and maybe the finishing at the rim but you guys are in the same place as the for the shooting i went and watched some shooting after well, a little bit before the conversation with ben a little bit afterwards and while the numbers aren't insane the uh versatility and the depth of the shots he's taking uh, are really really impressive he seems like a guy who's primed to overperform his shooting like his college numbers uh once he finally gets to the league i believe in the shooting for sure uh, I haven't seen enough of the like three level stuff and some of the ancillary playmaking to really buy in, but I like what I'm hearing. And apparently, since you know, you always know, Pick. Keontae, Keontae George, Toronto Raptor. <laughs> Anybody else have uh, opinions on Keontae? Um, I, I'm a Keontae George fan, similarly to, to not ben. a Stan fan, fan. I, okay. I can't say Stan, okay. and in the sense of. He'll be able to create a level of um, a level of shooting that the Raptors don't have, and he's he's able to also improvise in a way that um, many Raptors can't do. Everything that that currently happens on the team is done through lots of hard work, man, trying to manufacture advantages, and he's a player that doesn't need an advantage, can create for himself and, and score. I think the sell for him is. Probably a smaller Devin Booker in a sense where he's not going to be able to create the separation needed, but he has the footwork and he hopefully will be able to put enough um, actual muscle on where he'll be able to separate um, a bit more with strength and his he becomes uh, a top level shot shot maker, a tough shot maker where a lot of this other stuff doesn't doesn't matter. But overall, if they picked him at like 13, I, I wouldn't be against it. I probably would prefer someone a bit larger just just so that the Raptors have more versatility in what they're what they're doing. Not not vision six nine, not six nine. <laughs> <laughs> Drama. Drama. <laughs> uh, maybe six six. Yeah. Okay. Um Curly, 
we're hearing names like Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. Mac was at his grade five graduation. What are your thoughts on <laughs> Keontae George? Well, I, I just locked in uh, Keontae George being picked on Bet365, you know, uh, in the top 15. Because Mac, Mac, we're going to be millionaires after. No, um... Here at Bet365, you can... You know. <laughs> um, you, I mean... Uh, not to this level, but I'm a shooter and I, you don't have to sell me on a shooter. We need shooting on this team. And I think Keontae George will bring that kind of confidence. And and I think the, that's something that you need from an offensive minded player, especially a shooter. You want his confidence to maintain at a certain level, regardless of how the game is uh, playing out. And it, it seems like he doesn't waver in that like he's always confident in a shot it seems like every shot that he takes he feels like he's go it's going in I, I love his ability to pull up we don't have a lot of guys that can pull up in transition take fadeaways he, he seems like the player where there was a lot of oppor- a lot of games where the raptors are using all 24 seconds of the shot clock and it seems like the that shot that goes up before the 24 second violation it's not a good shot. It's a rush shot. It seems like Keontae George can, he's going to embrace that and kind of give that bailout option and a better bailout option than some of the options that we currently have right now. Everybody talks about the weaknesses. I don't, I don't really care. I, like, I think that it's something that he can improve on as he gets more experience as um, you know, he adapts to the NBA game and you know, he's a shooter. I co-signed that. I'm I'm all good with that. Mac, you got something to say? One thing, one thing about the weaknesses thing. I I get irked sometimes when people always go on weaknesses of these players. No player in the NBA is a perfect player. Where you get their value is how they can do their like how they can impose their strengths on the court. It's not about what they can't do. It's what they can do at at what level. So I'm just putting that out there. And also as far as Shooting goes with Keontae real quick. On open threes, he shot 18 of 39, which is like 30 or 46%. And when he shot unguarded on catch and shoot attempts, he was at 48%. This guy's on the synergy page. I like that. But the what you said about focusing on strength. Syner- what? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, did, did you hand track that? Where'd you find unguarded versus catch and I don't shoot have numbers? synergy, but. Uh, oh. I hey. have my sources, but I don't have synergy. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, this guy. <laughs> oh, you. Oh, this is what Masai gave you the spreadsheet. Okay. Okay. It all makes sense. But to go back to what you're saying, how strengths determine, like everybody gets really hung up on weaknesses to be exploited. But you're right. Strengths determine your path in the NBA. Weaknesses, of course, come into play. Of course they do. But you know, like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, he needed to have something that stood out and that really would have made his career last a lot longer because he was a player outside of the shooting who did a lot of things well. There's a little, DeAndre Bembry is a really good example of this too. DeAndre Bembry can shoot like 32% on catch and shoot threes. He does a lot of things well. He can handle a little bit. He can pass above average for guys his size. He could defend, you know, off ball and on ball. But like, you know... Being impervious to weakness isn't as important as being able to make people submit to your strengths. That's a really great point. 
Um, but thank you for the scoop. Um, Keontae George, Toronto Raptor. We'll, we'll leave that there. Chris Murray, Kobe Jones. You guys have some, some dark horses you wanted to talk about. Curly, uh, whoever you want to talk about first of those two, regale us because I am behind the eight ball relative to the rest of you. So this is a learning opportunity for myself. Yeah, uh, Chris Murray out of Iowa. I mean, Keegan Murray is there, so why not draft his twin brother, right? Especially, he's a lefty. That's why I brought him up, so I think Samson might enjoy uh, Ooh, discussing Oh, sorry, Curly. I was going to say earlier, I had a joke. I'll say it now. If you want shooters on the Raptors, won't you suit up? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tape up my fingers and I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, no, uh Chris Murray, what I love about him, he's just an intriguing player. He's not an explosive athlete, but he just seems like one of the few players in this draft that is just sure of himself. Like he's aware of his limitations. He doesn't lean into them too often. He just knows himself and sticks to his strength. Um, he took on a much larger role than he did in his previous season. Uh, I think his production went from, if I'm not mistaken, I think he went from nine points a game to 20. And that's a huge improvement, regardless of any level, right? Uh, considering that he was not a number one option at any point, and then he becomes a number one option, I think that's a testament to the type of player that he is. Um, he is a very versatile player in the sense that he has guard one through five. It's something that the Raptors have pride themselves on. I think that... He's a great help side defender, something that we've also struggled with. It's something that he can, it's a component that he can bring um, to that side of the ball as well. But he's a shooter and he's a confident shooter and he takes good shots. And I think that's something that the Raptors can definitely benefit as from, uh, from as well. Shot selection is not very good on this team. At least if you get a player who's really sure of himself, and he has that self-awareness, I think that's something that the Raptors can definitely benefit from. Now, he's not going to wow you in isolation, and this is why I think that, you know, with Coach Darko here now, using this whole team concept, ball movement, off-the-ball movement, I think this is something that he can definitely excel at. When I look at player comps, I was looking some at some of his highlights recently, he kind of reminds me of a, a Thaddeus Young with a better jump shot. Not as great as an athlete as Thaddeus Young. I'm going to tell you right now, you just gave Trey nightmares. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, hey, prime, prime Thad was not a bad player, man. He, he, he was he, good. He, he was good. He was good. But, but I, I only say that because of the way that he moves without the basketball and the way that – he he uses his length like Thad could finish above the rim, but Chris Murray is not that he has the ability to do so. He can run the open floor and maybe that is when he's going to get above the rim. But he has he has pretty good touch. I think he's around the the low 60s, low to mid uh, low to mid 60s around the rim, which is a great touch for a guy at his size. So uh, I think Chris Murray would be an interesting pick if the Raptors are able to get an additional pick. I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't use him as a 13th pick. I think that's a little bit high, but if the Raptors can, you know, potentially turn one player into a, 
a potential, you know, top 20 pick, I would like him there. Uh, prime Thad with a jumper, uh, like, that's a sick player. That's, like, a very good player. If that's – he probably isn't as bursty as Thad. No. But that, no. Is, but that is also, like – it, you know, especially in the later years, that is like a lot of guile and awkward movement that became successful. And, you know, Keegan is also kind of similar in that way. Like he succeeds despite being a little less bursty and using a lot of guile. Um, not that I've seen a ton of Chris, but uh, and Trey and I actually have a friend who just despises having Keegan Murray on his team. It makes no sense, but he does. Um, does anybody else here have uh, Chris Murray takes? Uh, with with Chris Murray, I think the the shot's really gonna have to stand out for him to to gain minutes because he's one of he's one of those players, and um, our our friend Goose will, will love me saying this. Malachi Flynn has made me learn my lesson. Like with with players that kind of do everything at like a C to like B minus type of level, it's hard for them to stay on the floor with like one skill that isn't standing out because teams typically don't guard them or ex- exploit that they they aren't actually like, excelling at anything. Like with Malachi Flynn, he can make a lot of the pick and roll reads that you want him to do. But if he if he doesn't have a standout skill like burst or shooting, he is it is probably a net negative. Like with Chris, I think everything opens up if he's able to hit his shots at a higher clip. And like if if um, twin genetics um, are a thing, his brother shot really well. So. Uh, Mac, any thoughts on Chris? Uh, I think you guys pretty much covered it. Um, I have a couple dark horses, but I know I think Trey might have some stuff, right? I, I have a dark horse too. Okay. Uh, for for me, a couple dark horses. Uh, ben already talked to, him, but um, Derek Whitehead, I love him. Uh, I've I've thought a lot about like the past couple weeks, just the talent between 13 and like early twenties, I think is relatively flat to some degree. I know it kind of burnt us uh, with um, the fat pick, but um, I, I wouldn't be, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be opposed to a trade back. Like there's teams like the jazz who have two picks teams like the nets who may have someone that they are in love with that would want to trade up before our pick. I think a guy like Noah Clowney would make a, a lot of sense. He he's a guy that's still fairly young. He'll be he's still eighteen. He's a great rebounder, both offensively and defensively. He's very switchable, six eleven in that in that Nick Claxton type of sense. Is switchable and able to go on to guards, wings for end of shot clock situations. And with a lot of these guys who like propose themselves as like a, a stretch big, they don't necessarily put up the amount of temps to give you that. Clowney, while he he didn't shoot a great clip in college, is taking a lot of those reps and has that intentionality, and he's shown touch. He finishes everything that he gets at the rim. At the free throw line, he's he's around 65%, which shows that there's some upward trajectory for him to expand his game a bit more. And I think the league is shifting towards those type of bigs. You saw like Nick Claxton was um, – super valuable heading into those um like nets playoff runs because he was so versatile and guys who can get who have the athleticism to burst up second second attempt grab a rebound finish at the rim and get easy points for their team is super invaluable if anybody heard that phone notification that was masai hitting mac saying hey don't don't i was just about to say that i was just (laughs) about to say that (laughs) 
Um, yeah, yeah some people coming after me. Yeah. Yeah. Since we're in rapid fire <laughs> mode, Trey had messaged me earlier. He said, I'm taking a break from money making for this podcast, but I got to get back to it. Uh, Mac, who are your dark horses? Uh, okay. I'll do two quick ones. Uh, one for the Raptors and one on my overall draft dark horse. Uh First one for the Raptors, Dark Horse pick would be Anthony Black. If we're looking at how Darko wants to play, he wants a lot of ball movement, a lot of instincts, a lot of guys with efficient, uh, effective playmaking. So Anthony Black would be that guy, six seven freshman guard. Um, long story short, he's he's cut from the same cloth as a, like a Josh Giddy, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, with the playmaking aspect, and he averaged what fifteen or thirteen five and four with Arkansas. And he shot 45% from the field. And he led them in he led the SEC in assists. Now, <clears throat> you you remember when you were a kid running errands with your family and you would ask your parents for McDonald's and they would say you got McDonald's at home. <laughs> and then you would end up with like a compliments brand cheeseburger and McCain fries. There's an argument that if if Raptors, <laughs> if Bobby <laughs> Webster, <laughs> if, if Bobby Webster was to try and pitch. Anthony Black at 13, Masai would probably be like, we have Anthony Black at home, and he would point to a picture of Delano Banton or something. Like he's not he's probably not gonna go for it, but that's the dark horse. That's the dark horse pick there. Bro, and this my is overall a, this draft. Is a pro Rexdale podcast. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Street I just called Delano down. Street going down. <laughs> I called him a compliments of brand Anthony Black. I right, man, I feel bad. I'm sorry for that. But yeah, um <laughs> overall. <laughs> Overall draft uh, dark horse would be Brandon Pazimski uh, from Santa Clara, sophomore guard. I mentioned him. In, I mentioned him in one of my um, pods a few weeks ago. He has a good feel for the game. Uh, he's shown the ability as a primary ball handler. Uh, he's a good complementary and secondary playmaker. He is a sniper as well, but he has that Hooper mentality and underrated athlete. He shot forty four percent from three on five point eight uh, 5.8 attempts. And he averaged around 20 points, nine rebounds, and four assists. And he's a 6'4", 6'5", guard. He's also a lefty, which, which is key. And, yeah, he, he's, he's that guy uh, that I think has a great chance of being that late-round guy that ends up making the all-rookie team because he has, he has a total package as an offensive threat. So Pods was going to be the first. I said I was going to write about him, but then I started doing too many of the like prospect podcasts and I had to do too much film to actually like write, you know, analysis on each different guy. But Zemsky is insane to me. Um, how he he's got really good. He's, 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 as far as I'm seeing, people are starting to bump him up draft boards. Like he's getting a lot more positive attention, but any guy who shoots 44% from three takes a second side pick and roll and throws a scoop left-handed lob to his roller. I'm like, Get out of town, dude. Um, he's nasty. He has tremendous feel for the game. Uh, he's a better athlete than people think, but I still don't think that's like a, a positive of his game or anything like that. But I, I, I do think sometimes, and we see this all the time in the NBA, it's tough to judge, but like it's more important that a guy figures out how to work within his own athleticism than it is that he's constantly like, oh, he has these really interesting measurables that jump off the page. That doesn't always work because you have to interface with the basketball and what's happening on the court. And Pods is like a great example of that. I like him He's a lot really too. And um, he shot 44% from catch and shoot. Man loves a catch and shoot shooter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You need those in, in a, a movement offense, right? So, yeah. 
don't the Raptors know it? I mean, Fred shot like 28% <laughs> on catch and shoot threes and it cratered everything. Cause they're like, Hey, we need it from you. You're usually pretty good at these. He's like, I am, I'm ready. And then I think he was injured for a long time and everybody's like, what's going on. This is really bad. Um, once, once Pascal stopped creating like 18 layups a game for his teammates, then everything went down the drain, eventually progressively got better. And then we lost in the play-in. Anyway, does anybody have any other uh, wild cards, dark horses? Not necessarily that we're going to talk about, but just um, names for the people listening at home to look up and kind of dig around on stats on. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned it. Um, Colby Jones. I think Colby Jones is an interesting guard. He's he's essentially a six six point guard. Um, he seems like a great connector piece. He doesn't excel at anything well. He's just well, what's that saying? You know. Uh, Jack all trade master of none or something, something of that effect. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he has great size at, at the guard spot. Um, he has great finish around the rim. He shot around 68% uh, at the rim. So that's pretty damn good. Um, in terms of his three point percentage or three point shooting, he's an improved shooter. Um, how that translates into the NBA, we, we don't necessarily know, but he did improve he shot just around 38%. Um, from three shoots better on the left side than on the right side, you know, make, make whatever of that as you want. But um, he has great touch on the rim. He's, he moves great without the ball. He doesn't, he doesn't wow you with anything, but I think if you're looking for a stable piece coming off the bench, which is something that I am absolutely yearning for, I I think that's a, a great name to be looking up. Hell yeah. Okay. Draft night, 23rd of June. There's a Raptors Republic draft party. If anybody wants to come chop it up with myself and others who will be there, I'll be doing a podcast from there. I'll be on my phone saying, Mac, you sure it's Keontae? You know, like, please um, be calling him in, uh, you know, because Mac can't come to that. But that's, hey, you know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, The guys here, I don't know. Some of us at least will be at Summer League. There will be some Summer League uh, content coming up. Um, a little bit more Darko coverage coming forward. Live by the three podcast. Tremendous. That's Curly running off the screen. That's Mac and shame on both Mac and Trey for making the same itch joke in their names. <laughs> and, uh, does anybody, does anybody want to say anything before we get out of here? No, uh, it was just great having you guys on Curly. I've seen you hit many of three. So it's great to see you do it on. Yeah. He lives. Uh, he I lives by it. the three. Yo, he he's the literally, three. he's Patty Mills. He's literally Patty Mills. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not a brand. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in with us. We hope you learned, and we hope actually even more that you enjoyed. All right, where they got to the, into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye. We got a podcast, ladies and gents.